Welcome to Learners and Leaders, the education podcast where all things literacy, learning, and growth are discussed. Here are your hosts, Huda Harajli and Jennifer Kibbe. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Learners and Leaders, the education podcast. I'm Huda, and I'm joined by my amazing, wonderful friend, Jen Kibbe. Hey, Jen. Hey, Huda. So happy to be back together again for this. Yeah, happy Labor Day. So we're recording this on Labor Day for you guys, um, a topic near and dear to both of our hearts. But before we jump in, Jen, how was your first week of school? You know, I was tired. I I said more than once, um, coming off of the pandemic, I'm definitely feeling my age. I went to bed early. <laughs> okay, I I go to bed early too. So I I think you're exhausted. I think just having children back in school buildings, having children who've never actually been in a school before. Yes. You notice it with the first graders, like um, you guys have not been in school. Absolutely. Our K-1-2, um, you know, and it was hot. The building was hot. We do not have air conditioning. Um, yes. So we had some unseasonable temperatures um, and add that to a mask over your face. Yes. And yes. Um, yeah, we we were tired. But each morning, you know, getting back up and knowing that you were diving right back in, um, I will take that over teaching in the basement every day of the week. So, okay, do you know what's funny? I'm in the basement right now. It's <laughs> <laughs> a quiet week on a Labor Day holiday weekend. So, okay, so I have to share this little tidbit with you that I recently learned, and then I swear we'll jump into our topic. So, I heard from somebody who's a sound engineer that the best place to record your podcast, your videos is in your garage. Uh, no, not in your garage, in your car. Hmm. We'll have to try that one day. <laughs> While we're like on our way to work. Um, apparently it's naturally soundproof. So it works really well for recording. So maybe one of these episodes will be in our cars and we'll test it out. Yeah, let's do it as a test. That sounds good. Okay. All right. Okay. So hit me with the ideas for today. Okay. So Jen, um, a lot of talk has been happening about learning loss, uh, unfinished learning, which is the phrase that I prefer versus learning loss. And one of the statements that we keep kind of diving into in every meeting and every conversation that I have is how do we support reluctant readers who have been at home for almost two years and have been reading on Epic or have been reading on Tumble Books and might not have had access to physical books? Are you ready to talk about reluctant readers? I am so excited to talk about reluctant readers. You know, um, not only in a pandemic situation, there are so many factors that take us down this path of how do we build excitement for books. And if you've listened to our previous podcast, you will know that there are many things that take us into reading with our youngest learners or new to our country learners. Um, you have spoken in the past, and I've been reflecting on this for the past couple of days, Huda, that you were clean on, at school on time. You didn't, your attendance was good. And yep. that was the care and the love 
that your family gave to mm -hmm. education. And, yes. and with that, I'm sure there was an expectation of what your work was while you were there at school. Without a doubt, I'm certain of it. Now, we also can have, you know, in, in and I've shared in my situation, my playroom from the moment I could move on the floor was set like a learning lab, a classroom, a Montessori. I was reluctant in a different way than you were. I had been read to. I had great verbal skills. I understood the language. The coding that went into phonological awareness was a puzzle to me. So whereas you may have had, and I really want to hear about this today, um, I know that you are exceptional and, and <laughs> that you are bright. Um, however, I think, Thank you, Jen. <laughs> I think you may have come at it differently because of carrying, you know, two languages. And I, and I think we need to, when we talk about the reluctant reader, we need to look at what has brought these children to us. And so that takes me to those first observations, whether you are teacher, whether you are principal, whether you are diagnosing in a center, whether you are parent, we have to look at those early stages. I'm going to close my mouth, Huda, and I'm going to let you do a little bit of talking here. <laughs> No, no, that was so good. I, okay, I have two things to say. First of all, my family jokes that I came out of my mom's stomach talking and reading. Okay, so <laughs> that's all you need to know. And then I had a quick question for you. What's a reluctant reader, Jen? It's not a struggling reader. It's not somebody who can't access text. It's somebody that might be choosing to not read. Absolutely. Your reluctant reader hasn't shown you that they're excited, um, mm -hmm. isn't choosing genre, Um you know, they're, they're just not diving in. And I would tell you in my own home, two, looking at both my sons, one sat back and waited until he okay. could read the whole text. He was okay. going to show you practice. He was coming in with perfection. The second one was going to try all the things under the sun. And he might make that target. <laughs> I, and I would say, you know, when when we when we talk about um, what keeps children from diving into literacy of all types, I mean, not even necessarily. You can have the child that isn't so much the reluctant reader, but is sitting back in the classroom and not verbally expressing or sharing what they know for comprehension, or even talking and sharing in class. All of these reluctancies feed into literacies in the classroom. I had a quick question for you, um, and you might know this more with your reading background. Very often when I would talk with parents and families at conferences or at open house, and I would say, oh, you know, they're not really excited about reading. If it was a boy, the parents would express to me and say, oh, is this normal? Is this a boy thing? So could you speak to that? Are boys more likely to be reluctant readers? Uh, I see you nodding your head. <laughs> I love <laughs> that you've opened that idea because my mindset would be to say 
um, these are the students that I'm pulling out the most. However, I did some research because no one wants to go into something and be wrong. And it really is not necessarily a boy thing. You can see this in little girls as well, because again, we go back to there's so many different things that take us into the science of reading, which, which makes it all the more exciting for someone who is passionate about it because you yes. find those bits and pieces of what works, what's going to hook them. Is it my song and dance? Is it going to be picture? Is, you know, what is my approach going to be? Am I going to sit back? Am I going to dive in close? Um, right. So, so no, I didn't find proof that it was just our little boys. I didn't. And I wonder sometimes, um, as somebody who's taught many students over the years, is it a self-fulfilling prophecy? Do we say, oh, my child who's a boy and might be a little active is not interested in reading. And then we inadvertently or subconsciously do things that don't help them grow as readers. Um, that's my I will have to like commission a study on this, Jen. But uh, you are you are nailing it because again, I was thinking about first versus second. My first didn't sleep. And so I would read and read and read until he would sleep. And he was voracious when it came to books. My second, I kept active, active, active. We visited every park. We threw every ball. Yeah in hopes that he would sleep. Books were a different hook for him. So, you know, I, again, back to science of reading. It's, it's truly, yeah. that's why we have to investigate. So, John, I'm going to ask you, what are easy? Well, nothing's easy in life. What are uh, low effort, high impact strategies that we can use for our reluctant readers, whether it's a parent, whether it's a caregiver, whether it's a teacher, to really engage them in the reading process. You know, honestly, I think we have to um, we have to put them into a space that's going to promote this idea of reading. So I've been spending a lot of time on creating that space in my room. I don't have a large classroom. I have, you know, it's larger than an office, smaller than a classroom. But yeah, creating that mood, creating that space that supports reading. Um, I have a new rug this year. I have lamps. So building that physical space and I think building trust. They, children know whether you love reading, they know mm -hmm. whether you you believe in them, and you build a risk taker by doing those things. So um, I'm, I am going to start seeing students tomorrow. Um, I did a little bit of assessment last week. Um, it's very clear to me where I need to begin my works, um, mm -hmm. and that will start tomorrow and the lights will be low. We will probably start with some calming music. Um, it will be fun. And I'm going to hook them in with 
building that relationship so they feel safe. We do it together. And then I gradually release them to doing the work. Jen, next time we talk, I'm going to ask you if you've noticed, because during the pandemic, um, on a national level, we've noticed that, yes, reading scores have dropped, but math scores have dropped even more. So I'm going to have to pick your brain, and you're going to have to let us know what reading behaviors are you seeing, what foundational skills are students missing, and I have to speak to your ability to help transform students into readers. Um, Jenna would get my first graders, <laughs> my first grade boys in particular, and they would come back and they would be hooked on a series. And I think the magic there, Jen, was you were letting them select their own books. And research tells us if children are picking their own books, they're 80%, there's an 80% chance that they're going to finish that book and read it to completion. So that's one of your tricks. What else do you have? Absolutely. So, you know, as you said, student selection, selecting within their range. So we have to identify um, what is the level. We have great sources um, for reading within their given level and, and then giving them a multitude of books to choose from. Um, I, I follow the idea, and I'm going to peek at my wall because behind me I have it. Um, I do because, again, gradual release. We yes. do it together and then you do. Um, and, when, and when they're not able to do, I hop in and I prompt. And it's in that good prompting for, you know, the, the reading... Um, it, it might be the, the phonological that I'm looking for. It might be, how are you using sounds and words? It might be on the generating end of things. Um, can they take what they know and use it in reading? Um, I have a question for you. Um, <laughs> how long do you wait before you prompt? So I do a three to five second, which can seem like an eternity. Um, you know, okay. I might tap my foot one, two, three, and then prompt for something they know and always take it to something they know. We'll have to do an okay. episode on meaning, structure, and visual for those that um, are doing prompting in their classroom and using it. And I think it'll also help our caregivers um, because a lot of times I hear parents sound out the word stretch out the word that that's, all, that's the only thing they have in their toolbox because when they were taught how to read that's what the teacher told them but i want to talk to you about prompting next time with these ideas coming because you know for ells wait time is 15 seconds but if you're waiting 15 seconds for a reader like what's happening in the brain and you know the part of the brain that's helping them process these words and i realized that initially I was too hyper and I wasn't waiting long enough. And then I went to the opposite end of the spectrum where I was waiting like 15 seconds and we forgot the whole world word. Yes. And I think that we lose things at that point. I spend a lot of time saying, let's go back and reread. Um, let's go back to what we knew. And um, I think when they can get a running start and go back to what they know and what was successful, um, that's helpful too. So that's amazing. Jen, this um, is such good information. And 
Before we jump off, I have a pop quiz for you. Are you ready? More <laughs> pop quizzes. I did so well on the last one. Let's do it again. <laughs> I think you did great. And you know what? I volunteer for you to develop a pop quiz for me the next time we record together. Flavor day. Okay. Are you ready for your first question? I am ready. All right. A book you can read over and over is? Oh, I have so many based on the season. So can I give you three? Sure. There's no rule. <laughs> Just do it. <laughs> Good Night Moon by Margaret Brown, of course. Um, I love Tailstones and Halibut Bones by Mary O'Neill, uh, The Study of Color, and A Lighthouse in the Attic, Shel Silverstein. I love Shel Silverstein's books. I love those books. Okay. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Oh, my goodness. Um is there one that allows me to see all things so I would know what was happening in my boys' lives when I wasn't there? <laughs> so, super yeah, it's called, it's called Find Friends. Yeah. It's an app. <laughs> my mom has us all on there, and we're all like in our 30s. Okay. Uh, would you rather teach kindergarten or 12th grade? Kindergarten every day of the week. As a matter of fact, yes. I get to start my day there tomorrow. I can't wait. Oh, I love it. And I can definitely see you being a kindergarten teacher, Jen. Definitely, definitely. Okay. Who is your favorite storybook character? Ooh, that's a really good one. Um, I don't remember her name, but there was a girl in the secret garden. And my mom read it to me in second grade, and I, I wanted to be her. I'll have to look up her name. Okay. Okay. I, I always wanted to be Matilda or Miss Honey. <laughs> But I think when I taught, I was more of a Miss Trunchbull. <laughs> Love. Like we all want to be Miss Honey, but. Yes, of course. Then it happens. Okay, last question. What is a television show that you can watch over and over? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I'm going to date myself on this. Um, I loved The Blind Side, and I can turn on The Blind Side, and I would love to be able to be Mrs. Tui and take in young people <laughs> oh jen i never seen the blind side so i might have to go look it Ooh, up you have to look it up i know i know that's because we're 20 years apart <laughs> no because if you ask me my favorite tv show i'll say it's the west wing <gasps> and president Bartlett. <laughs> for sure yes we watch. i love that yes show. faithfully we watch the west wing I watched it during my maternity leave, actually. Um, Emily and I were up at all hours, like you were with your boys. Yeah. And I just got into it. And it was kind of a show that you didn't have to pay attention to the whole time. Like, you could look down and look up and stuff. But, yeah, my favorite TV show is The West Wing. Oh, I love it. Good stuff. <laughs> right. Okay. So, as we head into this week, what are you most excited about? Because you're on that end of not children right now, but more data, right? Yes. Like, um, well, we start school tomorrow. It's our first day. So I'm sure I'll be visiting some of the elementary schools and just enjoying the spirit of the first day of school. And then after that, we need to kind of dig deeper and start looking at our assessment results to see what our students need and where the money goes. Um, because I truly believe that funding is the greatest policy statement. 
And when we, what we pay money for is what we truly stand behind. So that's kind of my week. So I can't wait till we talk next time and we can talk about your first week with your readers and my first week visiting the school. Sounds excellent. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Jen and I will be back next week with another episode. Until then, take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Learners and Leaders, the education podcast where all things literacy, learning, and growth are discussed. If you like what you heard today, let Huda and Jennifer know by subscribing and leaving a comment. And we will see you again next time.